0: Hey, happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome to the I-5 Corridor's Traffic Report. Tyson Alger here, joined by Shane Hoffman. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone, if you're listening over the holiday. Uh, we got a big football game this week. It's it's one that's been a long, long time coming, and now that we're finally here, I don't know if it's... No, I, I think this is as epic as uh, we thought it could be um, it uh, before. Been,
1: it had last week had a different outcome, I think it would have been... A little bit more uh built up this week.
0: Put it that way. It's it, it is interesting though that you kinda have to take like the best of both of that though, because Oregon's Oregon's gonna want to play undefeated Washington in the Pac-Twelve Championship game to try to sneak into the playoff there. And so obviously it, it loses a little bit of the razzle to potentially having everything on the line for this Pac twelve or for this uh this game coming up on Friday against Oregon State, but still a pretty good football teams you were you were in Corvallis on Saturday um Washington obviously won that game it was tough conditions um Oregon State probably let that game slip away from them a little bit but overall I think it was kind of a tough one because if you're the Beavers it's another game where you're you're right there um and obviously you're just not quite coming up with the win against a team that's probably getting some number one votes in uh, the AP poll you know
1: yeah, that's the that's the third loss of this season. Um, all three of those losses for Oregon State combined eight points. This one was weird because I was texting you, and in classic corridor curse fashion, I, you know, it was 22 to 10 at half, and I just I felt like despite the conditions, Oregon State's not the type of team that's really built to come back from big leads. I know that's an easy thing to say when a team is more of a run team that plays with um, a slower pace. But that being said, it just it just didn't feel like they had the same type of playmakers on both sides of the ball, and then you know right out of the half d j throws his second pick of the game, and then I'm like okay that that's when it could get ugly, and no, I mean, they go on this huge ten minute drive, completely flip the game. Washington doesn't score in the second half, and yet it's fourth and five, yeah that probably would have put them in field goal range, and they could have milked the clock there, and d j just flings one over to you know defensive backs.
0: How how upset were you when that happened just for the sake of I'm sure you were like salivating over writing something about like that super long touchdown drive? Cause as a sports writer, just going like, Oh, yep. yeah, oh yeah, this is this is the one right here.
1: And I still kind of use that as in, in the game or as like, okay, that's the moment where it seemed like, you know, they could have stamped that game as a comeback because that would have been the drive you pointed to of like, oh, that's that's a defining Jonathan Smith kind of pipe dream possession right there. Right. Um, yeah, it's tough because that team, you know, I think at the end of the summer, I picked them pretty high in our, in our team's draft, which I haven't checked the records of our, of Yeah, our we'll, we'll, we'll
0: have to go ahead and put, put that together going into the, the podcast next week. I think you,
1: I don't know. I, I like some of my picks, but, um, Yeah, I had them high because I thought when it came to November and it started raining like it was pouring the other night, they'd be just a pain to play. And they are because you get DJ running, and I still don't think that team runs DJ enough with how big he is. I just don't think he's much of an injury liability given how big he is. And then Martinez, and it's just, I mean, just bullying guys. And yet that passing game, even in games where the weather has been nice, it just doesn't seem like it's all there.
0: It's, it's frustrating to watch that passing game because as as you and I were kind of texting during that game, I was I was thinking about the second half of that Utah game where the first half the DJ was pretty inconsistent in that one and he was missing guys, and then in the second half you just saw him connect on just. It, again we've said this before but he's a guy who can thread the needle 55 yards downfield on like a play that's just draw dropping and then he'll also miss the guy that's like 10 feet in front of him and i think that's just kind of tough when you're a team like oregon state where the the winning margins are so thin and they're very good at doing that but this isn't a team that's just gonna like out talent you like the ducks can with a lot of different opponents it's that's just i got a
1: I've got a kind of a Bill Simmons us comparison here.
0: Let's go. Let's watching, go. Watching
1: watching DJ throw in person because I, I hadn't been to Reser yet this year, and I want to talk about that as well. Yeah, yeah, we'll um, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like watching one of the those big centers or forwards in the NBA who their hands are so big they can't really shoot free throws consistently or make threes, and he's 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 got this huge build. And he can he can air it out, but he throws this kind of robotic ball, and his motion it, it kind of aims downwards. It doesn't have a lot of arc on it, and so sometimes it looks really nice when he just rifles you know balls into tight windows. But other times it looks completely broken. And you know I know that the weather didn't help. Drops on both sides. I mean, other thing is Penix, 166 yards, and he had some clutch throws. And that that connection to Dunze is going to go down as probably one of the better connections in the history of this league um but yes, yeah, has tough
0: so are we thinking like keith van horn or i'm just thinking of like seven footers who kind of shot a little bit flat that keith van horn's probably way before your time i'm
1: yeah i mean i'm sure that's a great call actually actually too.
0: actually actually this this is even a better simmons reference of pulling some name that nobody
1: yeah yeah. I was just thinking modern guys. I was thinking when Giannis wasn't hitting th- free throws or couldn't oh, shoot yeah, threes. Yeah. That's a solid one. Because he's still such a physical guy that, that run that DJU had on the second of the two fourth cut down conversions where he's like barreling around. And that was a beautiful play like that. And I, I wrote it too, that they could go down as, you know, one of the plays that he's remembered by, although who knows how he's going to be remembered. I know he could come back next year, I think. Um, but he he just bounces off a tackler and then that beautiful spin. And then he drags defenders and that, that program is in such a weird spot now.
0: If, if DJ just does the one year and obviously he's a player that because of the expectations he had coming out of high school, because of the first college he went to, like in his mind, like thinking about a national championship or a playoff or that type of thing has always been a realistic thing for him just because those have been the circles that he's, been a part of Oregon state's goal has never probably been at least this year, national, you know, like that sort of thing. So I, I be curious after this season ends, how Oregon state fans will look at the DJU season um, based upon that, based upon like, let's say they beat Oregon on, on this week. If he beats Oregon, he's he probably you know that he's going to turn into like folklore status in that in that city. But it's you know right. It's, it's, I just
1: don't see that happening.
0: No, I I am actually completely on board with you there. I I just think Oregon is far too complete of a team um, to get beat by a very good Oregon State team that's not complete. But before we kind of get more into that preview, I want to get more into what was the vibe like at Reer because that was certifiably the first massive game at that stadium. The weather was uh, incredibly tortured. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, no, and, was, uh, was... and, and there was also some interesting videos that came
1: out of um, like like the bath, that like
0: that the bathroom video.
1: situations. I'm sure everyone who's listening has seen that video. You guys know the one we're talking about that uh what a video. No, it was it was it was really cool and also a little bit bittersweet, not only given the way it ended, but given that this will be the last Pac-12 game played there in that conference, at least, you know, they might revive a rivalry or two. Um, I wish it wasn't raining as hard because I would have been more likely to spend more time in the concourse. Instead, I got sidetracked trying to find my way to the field was a nightmare I mean, that's the one thing I missed about last year is you could walk right to the field from the press situation. Press box, super nice. They don't have a food situation yet. That's kind of a bummer. You get like it, vouchers.
0: It, it, it was kind of funny how that, uh, that ended up picking up some steam nationally because I think uh, – because what, Pate was there, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, the yeah. last thing you want to do when you get to press box is then go back down to the concourse and wait in a line to get
0: – Well, it's – yeah, contenders. it's, it's – I look we're we're not going to win any arguments of being like the feed us free food sort of thing but if you want reporters who are able to watch the entire game you're probably going to need to have some food in that press box
1: well and nobody knows yet we're at the end of the first season of the full reason nobody in that building seemed to know how to get down to the field I got told all these different things I ended up wasting like five to ten real-time minutes trying to find my way down there and like slipping on stairs and stuff and I got down there in time and I remain not the biggest fan of watching games from the sideline in person because you just cannot tell what's going on. For capturing emotion and scenes, it's great. But
0: but it turns out all those dudes are really big, and it's hard to see through them in terms of like where the ball is at, like how long plays go. Um,
1: right. It, it, the other thing is I really – now that I've spent enough time covering games in the Pacific Northwest, I really do prefer the open press box. I know it gets cold and your hands start to, you know, get slow when it comes to typing if it's too cold. But it was such a muted experience behind the glass. I just couldn't get any feel for how loud it was in there.
0: I, I think especially for a stadium like that where it, it's, it's 35,000 sold out, it's not the biggest stadium in the world. You're not going to get... Um you're not going to get it so freaking loud that like that the glass isn't going to matter. I, I do think that that's important. And I it will also be the first person to complain when the windows are open and it's cold and uh, I'm freezing, but I I do think that that's, it really does kind of take away some of the game. That's why I've always hated covering games at Levi stadium. You know, the ducks have had a couple PAC 12 championship games there. And that's a, that's an, that's an enclosed press box. I think most NFL ones are. And it's just it really kind of takes away like the feel and atmosphere of the game.
1: Yeah, and I think that's more important to capture in college games. And um, but it, it, like I said, the whole thing felt kind of muted, and I felt very disengaged from the game. I guess I I didn't feel the emotion of the game as as much as I would have liked to, given the stakes. Um, and so I think that made kind of capturing that post game a little harder as well. Um, well, at least. Yeah,
0: uh... I, at, but, at least, at least JJ got wet enough for the both of us down shooting the game. He had some <laughs> great <laughs> photos, though. It's it's been fun watching him. Just kind of, pre- I'm I'm pretty sure when he shot the spring game for us last year, that was his first time shooting uh, at Otten or like in like that type of environment. He's been shooting Linfield football games the last couple of years, which is a much much different uh, operation than shooting one of these. And it's it's really been fun to just see his photos get better and better each week, and especially. Uh, I love that uh, that smoke one that he got this week. Unreal photo. And,
1: yeah, that's one I would cool. like buy off of him and blow up and frame. That was a fantastic photo.
0: Well, I kind of I kind of own it. So right, uh, right. M- maybe instead of paying you for the game this coming week, I'll just give you. I'll just give you. The I, j-
1: I, I, <laughs> I joked with you this week that you're becoming a, a quite the talent developer. Um, yeah. Lastly, on excuse me, <clears throat> on Oregon State, their coach might leave. Yeah. And that would be heartbreaking for a variety of reasons, given where this program is. God, I feel so bad for that fan base in a lot of ways, given how the season has gone, the way it's gone, the way it's gone. I know that makes no sense saying that out loud. Um, and that's a great transition into this coming game and the Ducks that seem to be trending the opposite direction.
0: Yeah, I. The, the the Jonathan Smith whether it be the Michigan State rumors or Texas A&M rumors I saw another list today that had him as a candidate for that and and none of this is necessarily sourced in terms of like this is Jonathan's camp saying this it's just it it makes a ton of feasible sense if you're a school with a vacancy and a lot of money um Jonathan Smith is the probably the most poachable coach on the market in terms of just his situation um Obviously, right. it's a good If They're in the Big
1: Ten next year, he's not leaving to yeah. Michigan State.
0: Oh, yeah. No, if 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 Oregon if Oregon State is on an equal playing field where he can compete at the level that he wants to, I think Jonathan Smith stays at Oregon State his entire career, but the the goalposts haven't changed, they've been removed. It's a different sport now. And Smith is a coach who can command. I think I think he's one of the best 20 coaches in America. And the pay discrepancy between between those type of coaches and the coaches in the mountain West or wherever the beavers are going to end up being playing their opponents for the next couple of years is such a vast ocean that it's just, um, it would be, it would be really hard to say no to something like that. And if, if Jonathan Smith does, he may be the best person on the planet.
1: And if he leaves, I think the, Oregon state probably loses some of their top players along with him.
0: If, if uh, I, if he leaves i think that that's the toughest that's going to be the toughest hurdle for them to bypass in their program's history it's just the fact that they are as good as they are right now they were number 11 last week number 11 in the country this late into the season with their roster that has i just looked it up their 2023 roster has the 11th best talent in the pac12 out of the 12 teams they're the 11th most most talented roster this isn't a team that just like brings in five-star recruits like the ducks. This is a team that is built on continuity and coaching and fit and momentum. And Smith has done so much of that from building them up from the one loss team. When Gary way Anderson left, I just don't think that you could, this has been a best case scenario for them. And then you're going to lose the best case scenario and then throw them into obscure, like uh conference obscurity. I, I just think that would be devastating for them and maybe, and maybe maybe Smith considers that too. And, and and maybe, and maybe that's a good point. Again, again, I'm just, this is just speculating, which is, is, which is what we do best, but maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe he's the type of guy who's like, I'll, I'll shepherd them for two more years and try to get them to like a a changeover. Cause like, I don't think Smith's status as like a top tier coach is going to change. Like I think those jobs will, will be available for him, but Um, I think it's going to be a pretty stressful week for him because this stuff happens and moves quickly. Uh, these other teams want to fill these vacancies. You have early signing day coming up in December. Um, this, this very well could be like the last week of feeling like a whole football program for Oregon state. And I, and I, I don't want to bring like the doomsday clouds, but it's just like the sharks are going to start circling here.
1: It's, uh, it's definitely giving Cristobal, um, what was that 2021 kind of vibes where the team didn't look super focused because he wasn't super focused. And I just wonder what happens this week and moving forward. It's it's funny how quick this has all changed after last year and how much momentum they had. It's like, oh, this thing is just going to keep going, keep building. They add those pieces. You know, we call DJU like a luxury ad. And then I, I wrote about this in my lead, but it's like you're walking off the field Hennix is getting the ABC interview. Adunze is slapping, you know, high-fiving fans, and the PA announcer is like, "For the third season in a row, your Beavers are bowl eligible," which had nothing to do with the outcome of that game. They were bowl right. eligible last week, and no one could care less. They're soaked. They're frustrated. They're leaving, and it just—it's just interesting to see how quickly it. Not that program has fallen, but the expectations changed to a point where now it's disappointment this year, even though they're probably a better team, at, you know, in some regard than they were last year.
0: It's It, it feels like a situation not where uh, – I like to use the thing of, like, the class is going on a field trip and you didn't get your permission slip signed and you're watching the kids go away. In this case, you got your, you got your permission slip signed. You got on the bus, you got to the location to see how awesome it could be. And then they don't let you off the bus. Like that's how it feels like for Oregon state fans, because they, they're a really good football team this year. They've turned into a good football program. It's like there's top 25 football in Corvallis. I don't, I didn't think that I would see that, (laughs) you know, like it's, it's it's really impressive, and it's it's going to be very hard for that to be attainable. Still,
1: meanwhile, um, Oregon is the bus.
0: They're the bus. They're the the police escort. They're the.
1: <laughs> they broke a lot of records down in Tempe.
0: Did did you Bo think Nicks it was got
1: some records? Uh, or no, Bo Nix did not. Excuse me, but Troy he almost, did. He,
0: he, Bo almost did. He had that seventh touchdown get right. called back. Do you think it was? not weird, but just goofy at all of just like how much like Kenny Dillingham was just like, go get him, guys. Like go in the pack, go in the, like, it was just like very much, it felt like he was still trying to play both sides of like, I'm still really yeah. cool with all these guys. And I don't blame him. I mean, that's a weird situation. And I like Kenny as a coach, but it was just.
1: I found it sincere. I, yeah. did. I I see where you're, what you're getting at there. Um, But also I think if my team got obliterated like that, I'd probably do the same thing. And I think he believes what he's saying because think, oh no, you know, I we've all been watching I, this team.
0: I I, uh, I I I 100% agree with you. I wasn't trying to. I just it was just a funny funny thing to watch to see a team just absolutely obliterate one, and then for the other coach to be just so friendly with everybody else. It was a funny juxtaposition.
1: They looked really sharp in that game. Not that I didn't expect them to, but they just seemed so crisp. I don't think Oregon State can keep up with him because, to be quite honest, everything that Oregon State does well offensively, the Ducks just kind of destroy as a defense. I mean, you saw it against ASU. everything They, they put everything out on the edges to avoid that pass rush, and yet still you had D-linemen and linebackers just coming crashing down fast, physical. They tackle well. I don't see how Oregon State... And I know what happened last year, right? I just don't see how they put up enough points to beat Oregon given that Oregon State's defense has taken a small step back this year.
0: And and Oregon's just so much better against the run than they were last year. I know we've talked a lot about like the pass rush and the secondary, but like the ducks clog up the middle and they're so fast on the edge too, that you just you haven't seen this team get beat kind of end around like they did time after time after time, like they did last year. I just think they're a lot more athletic and Uh, I just wrote this story where I talked to Jeff Schwartz, kind of comparing the two offensive lines and Oregon's is this big beefy offensive line that likes to just push you straight up and down the field. Whereas Oregon States is they're uh, more of an outside zone. They're smaller guys. They're quicker. They like to get the ball out in space and have the guys get out front and run or Oregon's defense can run very well. And I I think it'll be a fascinating matchup to watch that just because I think I think Martinez is such a fun back to watch. And it's, it's so different watching him versus like Bucky Irving, who is at the same caliber, but one is just like so slippery and never get touches or never gets touched. And Martinez is just a battering Ram dude. And he, he, he he runs almost like a Michael Johnson style. It's a little bit more upright. It's, it's very kind of track star style. That'll be, that'll be a fun matchup to watch, but I just, I don't see, um, I don't see a collapse happening like it did last year. I think Oregon's just a far more sound football team than they were, especially if it's going to be an awesome, too. You know?
1: Yeah. It's hard to pinpoint exactly what changed with this team mentality wise because it seems really different. And like we were talking about this when we came back from being down in Eugene for practice a few weeks ago, where it's like, it'd be cool if you could actually ask like a door list, like, what what is so different? Like, what's the one thing that stands out to you? Not in terms of, oh, we're better at this, but. In terms of the whole program, like what is different this year? Because it certainly seems something is, um, and you know, it comes a lot of it. It comes back to just playing complete football. Um, did you you watch most of that Oregon State Washington game? Correct or yeah. all of it? Yeah. When you watch Washington right now, I mean, there's. I saw this hilarious image that someone had photoshopped on Twitter, and it said, "washing breaking Washington falls to 11 and 0, expected to drop in the committee after win." And it does seem like it's gotten to the point where there's a little bit of disrespect there just because they are inching out these games. But they've won 18 in a row. They still have a really scary offense. This is all setting up for an all-time Pac-12 title game. What are your thoughts on watching Washington? And do you think maybe that some people, maybe including ourselves at times, are acting as if it's a foregone conclusion that Oregon can go to Vegas and, and potentially like stop Washington?
0: It it it's funny how it that just kind of feels like it's it's the foregone conclusion at this point. I even saw some Vegas lines that came out um today that were saying that Oregon would be like a nine point five point favorite in Vegas against Washington.
1: And a it makes too sense. high, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think you know, I I definitely think that's too high. But um if you're wanting to make that argument, you can be like, okay, the ducks lost by three points on the road in that environment. And since then they've just been destroying everybody while Washington has been eking out wins on the flip side, I Washington still hasn't lost. And I know it's, it's easy to just say you have to score more points than your opponent, but like, that's that's a team that if you get into a close game, that's when I get scared. If Oregon can come out and like put up like a two score lead in the first quarter, like I'd be pretty confident that the ducks could run away with it. But if it's a slug fest, um, that, that team has had to come up with a lot of winning plays to win games late in games. And that's that's just a complete opposite of what the Ducks have had to do, where Bo Nix has barely had to touch the football in the fourth quarter. So um, it'll be interesting. I do think Oregon has looked, just just from the way the games have looked, like Oregon's looked like a far better football team since then. But I, I just think you can't discount a team that's won 18 football games in a row. Like, that's incredible
1: the noise in the background I'm running my wash this is one (laughs) of the downsides of not being in person like we've gotten used to um excellent point there very pertinent point that Oregon is looking great and yet they're playing little to no high stakes football because they look so great and you just cannot replicate that kind of that tightness that comes that you saw in the Texas Tech game you saw against Washington where you know Bonics looked great but we were we were there watching and he looked a little frantic just, at times the,
0: the, the temperature just gets turned up a little bit
1: and it's going to maybe at times in, this, in the corridor cup i caught myself there i keep wanting to say civil war I, I, likely, wrote, I wrote i
0: wrote i wrote civil war in my offensive line review but i was talking about the 2005 one so i think in like right. when you're it's dating okay. back it's but,
1: anyways lost track um But, you know, again, I think in Vegas, there's a good chance that intensity gets turned up and certainly, you know, whatever happens after that. The other thing is, I think, if we're talking about foregone conclusions, there's a perception that I certainly believe and still believe that if Oregon goes, they beat Oregon State, they see Washington, they beat Washington, that they're just a shoe in for the playoff. And that's actually not true because it's a stacked, stacked race this late in the season where I thought someone would have lost by now, but Oregon, or excuse me, uh, Michigan and, and uh, Ohio State remain perfect. They will play, but you know there'll be one loss between those teams. Likely, um, I don't see. I say that because I don't see Iowa beating either one of them. In the Big Ten shit, but you've got Bama lurking. You've got Texas still lurking. Florida State still unbeaten. They lose their quarterback. Georgia. I mean, I'm forgetting someone, but there's all these teams
0: in in the most Pac-12 thing possible. Washington State's going to win the Apple Cup this week. They're going to give Washington a loss. Then it's going to go into the Pac-12 title game. The Ducks will whoop the the Huskies. But everyone will be like, well, obviously Washington wasn't that good of a team. They only beat Oregon by three the first time anyways. And then now Oregon comes back and does this. You know what? The Pac-12, we've been overrating it this entire year. Every expert for the last four months that have come up here and said the Pac-12 is good. You know what? We were making that all up. Let's go with Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, and you know it's gonna it's gonna be the same usual customers. It it, would be
1: hard to disagree to an extent. Like I I think the pactol has been very strong, and I think it'd be a travesty if one of those two teams didn't get in. Obviously, if Washington wins out, they will get in. I just I'm just saying throwing it out there, like there's a world in which Oregon State wins out, beats Washington, who's undefeated, and and still does not get in that that could absolutely happen
0: yeah it's 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 funny how much uh overall credit the ducks are getting nationally for if you look at their schedule like what are their quality wins like real quality wins yeah be, be, because let's, while let's, they've let's, because let's, while let's, they've looked okay at the time like they they don't have any like real great ones now like what like what's their best win usc yep
1: no walk with me here because they didn't play arizona um USC, they you know if they had played USC in the earlier in the season, maybe it looks better. The Colorado win only looks good because Colorado was they, they on the got They got so
0: lucky they played them in week one of the pac 12 season there.
1: Yeah, because now they've lost however many straight. Yeah, it's it's tough because the one really, really good team they've played. They lost to now that changes almost immediately if they beat Oregon State, who is still a top, you know, 15 at worst team. And they beat Washington. All of a sudden, they have two top fifteen, top ten wins, uh, whatever you want to call it, and then the resume looks a lot better. But you make a very salient point there.
0: Granted, at the same time, I haven't like looked at everybody else's strength schedule too, but um, it is yeah. But uh, these
1: teams will have, like I said. Michigan or Ohio state will have that win. Georgia or Bama will beat one, you know, in the sec yeah. championship Uh Florida state has, I, I believe had had more, I think they've had five top 25 wins if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yeah, it, it, again, uh, like uh, even the Utah thing, like they beat Utah really bad, but now Utah's lost three or four. So again, it would be, like I said, I think it'd be a travesty for the Pac-12 to get left out, but I could see that world.
0: Could you could you make the argument of uh after teams play Oregon, they're so beat up that their seasons just go to shit?
1: I mean, you could. <laughs> I don't know what data you're really using that one, but I wouldn't put it past the Oh,
0: that, that's just like that's just like old man fan fan data, like oh man, they just get so beat up they can't play the next week. Um, okay, I want to I want to revisit one thing back in January when I was making my, my predictions for 2023, I wrote a column saying uh, Oregon State in the college football playoff.
1: Oh, yeah, you did.
0: It was, uh, they got their quarterback. This was a team that won 10 games last season. Playoff or bust. Well, the Beavers aren't going to make the playoff. They have three losses. They reached number 11 in the AP poll, which is their highest ranking since, you wrote the story, Shane? Uh, a long time.
1: Since, yeah, since it's, Smith it, was a quarterback
0: there? It's 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 been a hot minute. Um, so while failing to nail my prediction, what would you give me as an overall grade for said prediction considering what happened in the ensuing season?
1: Look, I'm not handing out you know second place participation trophies, no, here nor would
0: I expect you to.
1: I think it was a little bit low hanging fruit for a substack that covers Oregon and Oregon State to say that the 10 and 3 team that added pieces and finally got a quarterback could contend. But you took, the, you took the shot. You also took a few mm. other shots. Have any of them hit? I'm just at one uh, right here. So I have... Ha, one ha, ha, not hit.
0: It's not over yet. Look at he Bucky. Need, look at Bucky's I stats. He's still got three yards. games left.
1: Oh, you mean... Oh, total season? Because it wasn't regular yeah, season. Yeah, to- total okay, season. Okay, you know what? Yeah. I take that back then.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know what? We're, we're going to talk that was about this off-air. Shane, thing. Shane, if you challenge me on my podcast again and you call this just a sub-stack...
1: Just a sub-stack. You
0: know what? clear can't work in these conditions uh what were my other ones i had so i had bucky irving in the 1500 yard season i had oregon state in the playoff maybe those are the only ones i did it might have been another one of those series where i said i was going to do like 10 things and then i got through like three of them yeah
1: yeah couldn't be me couldn't be me (laughs) all right
0: all right so what is the before we transition into a little bit of hoops here give me a score prediction
1: because we've been so good at nailing these every week um i'm going to go something like oregon 38 oregon state
0: 20 i was a, i was going to say like a 3817 yeah, i could see there i could see if things are going well for the ducks um them trying to do a little jaden jaden daniels uh stat padding for for nicks
1: yeah, because this is getting ridiculous. The arguments yeah. that I'm seeing about Jaden Daniel.
0: Yeah. Um you know what just put, put five wide out with four minutes left to play, game out of hand. I think I should probably go ahead and do like a stat comparison like a stat projection if Oregon was playing Knicks and Franklin in the fourth quarter, where their stats would be. Or
1: how about if they were playing, uh, was it South Alabama that LSU played last week? How about that, if they played South Alabama this week
0: 10, 11? I don't know. From what I saw on Twitter this week, it seems like only Oregon schedules uh, FCS opponents, but that's... uh...
1: Oh, my God. Dish on it. That was fun, wasn't it? You had fun.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes if you're passing time in the airport, it's it's best to just get into your first full blown Twitter beef. So
1: someone uh, missed it and is going to go dig through your tweets and try to figure out what we're talking about here. But
0: yeah, that's OK. You know, give them an afternoon. Uh, OK, so I'm going to say I'm going to say
1: forty five.
0: Twenty three.
1: Organ Ducks. OK, well, we have similar um, differentials, and at least in our scores
0: is there any way the Oregon men's basketball team gets healthy enough before next week when they play Michigan to compete in that game?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, that being said, like they lose Biddle now too. So they have one, they have literally one big man because they have three on the roster, which is crazy. And they don't even have really any tweeners. Like Kwame Evans is then their biggest player and he's like a stick wing kind of guy. I know he will play four and five, but he's not big.
0: Is it's almost comical at this point. Just the the sheer amount of injuries, especially when it's a team that's had that as like their cliched Achilles heel for the last five years. Anyways, like you know, they're they Jackson Shellstad still hasn't played, Mookie Cook still hasn't played, Biddle who had been playing
1: actually pretty good for them. He's a starting center. He yeah. is whether they start him or not. Yeah
0: yeah so it's 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 really hard to get a feel for the Stux team on the same hand they're winning these games like they're not not that that was a game that they should lose last last night yeah (laughs) yeah, but like that you know I I think in past years um if if Dana's coaching a, a team that hasn't bought in like he's maybe had a couple other times like you know maybe they lose one of these but they're they're still standing here they haven't had like one of those wins where you're like oh boy they're going to really have to perform during the Pac 12 season now so um yeah they
1: they see, they're playing hard Almond hasn't had to complain about that yet and it's um what is it november It's end of november so knock on wood that's big um yeah with the injuries you know i was watching a little bit of the game last night they really remind me of the 20 21 team oh and then the rice cooker is going off. All these noises. Ooh, Wait, what, what
0: are you making with the rice? What's for lunch today?
1: Uh, I got some leftover. This is going to sound crazy, but I got some leftover Cajun wings. I went to Spirit of 77 with my family last night to watch the Monday night game because they're in town. Um, so that's going to be a weird mix. I know, but we'll figure it out. Anyways, back to my point. Yeah. Uh, this team is reminding me it's shades of the 2021 team where they ran a small ball lineup, five out most of the time. They made their threes, and they played fast and played defense. And that was my favorite Ducks team since I was in this area covering the team. And that was a team that beat Iowa when they were second seed but lost with like With,
0: like, Chris Davis Duarte, State. who was, like, very de- defense-focused. Figueroa, focused.
1: Amarui, Richardson. This team has a lot of guys that can create, and they have different styles of games that mesh well together. They seem like they can shoot better and it it seems less dependent on one player like it did with will richardson that's been a breath of fresh air what have you seen
0: pretty much the same again i i think it's 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 tough to to see what the flow is going to be because i like i think jackson's going to handle the ball a lot for them um and so it's just kind of getting to the like flow of their offense and they have no wings
1: (laughs) yeah, I will say though, Aquendo o- and Tracy specifically. Not that some of the other guards aren't, but those guys are really big. True. Aquendo certainly shows it when he plays, and Tracy just kind of looks like it. And if he can keep hitting threes, like those guys are, that on paper maybe undersized to be wings height wise, but the fact of the matter is, you know, it's a it's an inch or two here or there height wise, and if they're strong enough to hold up, um, I could see that working.
0: Have have you changed your um your thoughts on your favorite thanksgiving dishes since we did it a week too early on our podcast last week?
1: Yeah, that was interesting. No, but like I did say last week, uh, my family's in town and it does sound like we're doing some sort of beef j- dish, excuse me, opposed to <laughs> turkey. Are you cooking
0: or are you guys ordering out? Yeah, we'll cook. Wait wait I'll, wait, I'll, how, I'll... wait how are you doing this? Like are they are they coming to are you hosting at your house? I think so. And are the roommates home too? So like, are you guys doing like a, your family mixed with the roommates?
1: Well, the roommates will probably be at their families. True. or stopping by the crib over here. Um, It's so funny. Cause as soon as you are out of things to say, sports wise, you bring up the food. I love it.
0: Dude. It's, um, it's, it's my, it's my, well, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to like, well, it was either that or I was going to like transition into like how like shitty it is to watch the blazers right now, even though, even though like, this is like what they should be. Um. So, like, my other crutch is just like talk about what you know, and you know what I know. Yeah. I this know man food. Not, knows I know food pretty damn well. Food. It, it, it yeah, was no, a tri- so- it was a it was a trip being back in Alaska. I'm going okay. way off topic here. Go ahead. It was, cook. It, it, was, it was a trip being back in Alaska and seeing like I feel like here in Portland, like restaurants change over so much, and there's always like so many new places, and like even if a place is succeeding, like within four years or so, like a new place in there. And to like go back to like my small town where the exact same restaurants have been there with the exact same signage for like 20, like my entire life. And it's like the one Mexican place in town, the one Chinese place in town. Uh, I pulled up Postmates just to just for shits and grins, just to see like what could come through. And it was just like different world chain, different world. I appreciate our our Portland food scene here is what I'm trying to say.
1: Have you eaten anywhere this week that stands out to you or will you?
0: Mm -hmm no no
1: interesting i've
0: I've been uh we've been we've been cooking at home a fair amount lately i I gotta save up for the bowl games man it's uh that's right it seems like my uh, chagrin
1: i think i'm passing on vegas i just even without having to buy a ticket to the game to cover it i uh i didn't see a world in which a trip to vegas would be less than six hundred dollars
0: well, and, and mm-hmm. we got to we got to potentially like save our bullet for you. Like if, if the corridor is going to spring for Shane to travel to anything, we might have to save it for uh, uh, if they win the, the Pac-12 championship game.
1: And who knows how that would work because I'm supposed to be out of town that whole time. But, yeah, we'll spring oh, for that.
0: Even was- even better. I don't have to spring for-
1: <laughs> Well, you know, we'd love to spring for it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, um, yeah, We should get a I was just thinking with our overlapping segments here. If we're still looking for sponsors in a few weeks, maybe, maybe like Adderall could be a good sponsor. Yeah. Yeah.
0: This, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get our focus Adderall, maybe, uh, maybe something a to
1: combat ADHD.
0: Yeah. Adderall, Spirit Airlines, and, uh, maybe some whiskey sponsor. And we'll have, like, <laughs> let's all do
1: Alaska our, Airlines instead of Spirit Airlines.
0: Yeah. Just, just have all of our high risk, uh, high risk uh, companies sponsor us and then some Um, sort
1: of some sort of like all natural caffeine company, like, you know, Vita Mate or something like that.
0: Exactly. Uh, I think next week we are going to do a podcast mailbag. We'll send out a reminder before we record next week, but if you have any questions, if you've made it this far into this podcast and you have any questions that you would like us to ask or answer, on next week's pod, leave them in the comment section below. And I might actually, I'm i am going to try to set up um, after the game on Friday, I'm going to try to set up a system where you can call in and leave a voicemail for about your thoughts on, on the game that just happened. I've, I've seen a couple other podcasts do it where it's just uh, like little 20 to 30 second fan reaction clips of, of what just happened. And that, that might be fun. And it might be something I forget about. So we'll see. I mean, that's the tension. Yeah, maybe that's the tension that we, that's the tension we create here on the i5 corridor
1: podcast. You should tweet that out. You should tweet out a reminder about the mailbag because again, I don't think many people have made it this far on the podcast. So.
0: Hi, mom. Hi, Shane's mom.
1: Any other shout outs?
0: (laughs) We'll see you guys next week. (laughs)